I think it was about 14 years ago. It was on a Monday morning, early in the morning, about 10 minutes to 6. And I was um, heading out, uh, driving down an obscenely rural road called North River Road in in Clark County, Ohio, where I, I was born and raised. And I was on my way to play golf with a friend. I don't know about you, but at 5.50 in the morning, I'm not altogether awake. There's a bit of, you know, a bit of a lingering part of the night still hanging on with me about that time. But other than that, this day wasn't much like any other day. It was very ordinary in a lot of ways. I was really looking forward to, to getting together with my friend and playing golf and talking and, and just having a great time. I remember I was stepping out of my, um, my hobbit hole of a house, so walking with my bag in my arm and my shoes, and, and just so happy. We had just bought, uh, bought a car for my wife. It was a, a station wagon, a new one, or newer, and um, it was, it was kind of sporty, so it wasn't really as bad as a lot of station wagons, so I was kind of happy to take her car that morning because it was early and she was sleeping, and I, I was going to sneak out and get in the car. And I remember it smelling really fresh, you know, uh, fresh and crisp in there and threw my bag in the back and got in, fired up the engine, heading down the road. And I'm going about a mile down North River Road and the... And it, twisting, turning road, and I thought, you know, I really don't like this song, and so I like re- reached down to, to, to mess with the radio for about seven nanoseconds, you know, that's all, seven, maybe eight nanoseconds, and as I'm, as I'm tuning the dial, all of a sudden I look up out of the corner of my eye, I realize that I had drifted a little to the right, and I was now in this kind of gravelly uh, short shoulder of the road. And I tried to make a correction, but it was too late. The car's momentum started to go to the right, and I was going over into this cornfield whether I wanted to or not. And so the car began to lunge into this, this field. I'm trying hard to go to the left. It's going to the right. And I hit into some grass going about 50 miles an hour. Uh, and, you know, I later looked back at that field. For a mile up the road or a mile going the other direction, there was nothing but field. I mean, field everywhere, not a pole, not a tree, nothing. Except this one little spot in that road had an old fence post from about 1922 sticking up. It wasn't even attached to a fence anywhere. And when I looked at it later, it, it was neatly wrapped around my car, and um, which was actually Abby's car, uh, and uh, a car that she had had for a robust three or four days. Um, did I mention that it was on the 4th of July, which coincidentally happens, happens to be her birthday? Yeah. <laughs> and so you're probably thinking, hey, buddy, so what you doing going golfing on your wife's birthday? To which I would say, mind your own business. Okay, but um, yeah, I did. And it was really bad, wasn't it? it? Would you think even worse of me if I told you that, you know, the car was already wrecked. The cop gave me the ticket. The guy towed it away. It wasn't coming back. So I figured... You know, I probably could still make that tea time. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, so, yeah, that wasn't the best part of the decision I ever made either. It, it maybe will delight you to know that I, I had a horrible day out there that day. And so uh, I was in no condition to play. It wasn't my fault. I took a couple mulligans, I think. Have you ever had a day like that where it just, it just starts off bad? Ten minutes till six. I mean, the, the day has not really begun. And it's already a disaster. Maybe you've had days like that. But what about the opposite kind? Have you ever had the, the day where everything goes right? 
where you don't try. It's just like suddenly things happen. You know, it's like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Remember when he finds the little golden ticket in the wrapper on the, in the gutter? I mean, it's like one of those days. You've had those days too, haven't you? Things just seem to go right. I remember looking at that pole sticking out in the field, thinking to myself, why couldn't I have slid off the road just 10 feet later or 10 feet earlier? I would, I would have salvaged the car. It would, have been, it would have been a great day. We never ask that question when everything seems to go right, though, do we? We never seem to say, why did everything go right for me today? Well, maybe we do, but most of the time we don't. We don't notice when things go right. We just chalk it up as a, as a sequence of happy accidents. Really glad that they happened that way. The gospel lesson is Sunday morning, Easter Sunday morning. Two of Jesus' disciples are walking down a road, heading about seven miles from Jerusalem to their hometown in a village called Emmaus. It's a short journey. Seven miles might seem like a long walk to you, but when people walk a lot, seven miles isn't so bad. And so they're heading back that way. They'd been to Jerusalem, of course, for the Passover. And during that time, they had seen the execution of Jesus. Luke tells us these were followers of Jesus. They were his friends, his disciples. And all of a sudden, a stranger comes up and starts walking with them as they're walking down the road. We know, we have a little insight into who this stranger is. This is Jesus himself. But Luke says the people, Cleopas and his companion, perhaps Mrs. Cleopas, are walking down there and they, they don't know that it's Jesus that's there with them. They, they just look sad, Luke says. They're, their faces are downcast, literally. You know that time where, where you walk into a room and you see somebody you know and you say to them, My word, what's gone wrong? What's happened? I mean, this is the look that they had all over their face. And, and they tell you, you know, about some human tragedy or, or about, the, about a pet being hit by a car. Or something, you know, some terrible thing. And, and you know, immediately you feel that pain with them. You know why their face is hanging like it is. This is what Luke says. Their faces were, had sadness written all over them. The stranger comes up and says, why do you look so sad? And they say, well, haven't you heard? They tell him about the story about Jesus and about how they had hoped that he would be the Messiah. But alas, it doesn't seem as if that was the case. But Jesus does what preachers do. You know what preachers do. Never tell us about a problem because you know what we're going to do. Well, you know what? It says right here. And he does that, doesn't he? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, St. Luke says, Jesus began to open the scriptures to them. Well, let me tell you about Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. We'll move on from there. How about Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Hosea, Daniel, Joel, Amos, Jonah, Micah, Nahum. He says, starts going through the Bible and preaching sermon after sermon. I calculated, let's just say it took him a mile to get started, and they're walking at two miles an hour. A six-mile journey is a, you know, that's a pretty long sermon, isn't it? About three hours. You say, hey, listen, that preacher went long today. I haven't even begun to preach yet. You know, we've got hours to go. Jesus is preaching this sermon all the while. But did you notice? It's a biblical sermon. He's saying to them, listen, God has spoken. He has spoken in the Bible. Have you missed this, this message? This message about the Messiah. And in retrospect, we find out how that sermon worked. 
The disciples say, Cleopas and and his companion, did not our hearts burn with us while he was talking with us on the road? Something is happening while Jesus is preaching the Bible to them. When the Bible is being proclaimed, suddenly something is happening on the inside, on the interior. Hearts are being stirred. Something in the soul is coming alive. There's suddenly, something's going on in there. They're not really sure what it is, but, but something's happening, something dynamic. And they get to the house... And they say, come, have a meal with us. And this is where the story gets really interesting because remember, it's their house. They're inviting Jesus as a guest into their home. And he sits at the table and he acts like the host. He takes bread. He blesses it. He breaks it. And he gives it to them. And Luke might just be giving us some fancy details, but I think there's more than that. I think he wants us to hear echoes of a previous passage. You know the one. The supper that Jesus had the night before his crucifixion with his friends when he takes bread and he blesses it and he breaks it and he gives it to them. This isn't just an ordinary meal. This is a sacred meal. This is a sacred meal that takes place on a Sunday right after a sermon. Sunday, sermon, meal. You've seen this before somewhere, haven't you? I, I, I recognize this. This stuff shows up. I think Luke is saying this is what Christ does all the time. He shows up and we don't recognize Him. He shows up right in the midst of His people, perhaps on a Sunday morning, while they're hearing Scriptures being read and proclaimed and gathering for a sacred meal that includes the breaking of bread. But what happens when the bread's broken? You saw it, didn't you? Their eyes were open. Their eyes are opened at the breaking of the bread. I mentioned Annie Dillard before, and perhaps some of you have picked up a book of hers or two to read. She writes this about Sunday morning worship. On the whole, she says, I do not find Christians outside the catacombs sufficiently sensible of conditions. Does anyone have the foggiest idea what sort of power we so blithely invoke? Or, as I I suspect, does does no one believe a word of it? The churches are playing on the floor with their chemistry sets, mixing mixing up a batch of TNT to kill a Sunday morning. She goes on, It's madness to wear ladies' straw hats and velvet hats to church. We should all be wearing crash helmets. Ushers you got a job to do. You should be uh, issuing life preservers and signal flares, and you should lash us to our pews. We gather together on a Sunday morning and so blithely invoke this power. Dillard uses the nautical metaphor. St. Luke uses a hiking one. I kind of like that because I've been hiking a little bit. I think sometimes we come to church with downcast faces or even uplifted faces, we come to church and we, we don't expect a lot, maybe. We might expect, you know, hey, the preacher should have worked hard this week, you know, could use a good sermon. Uh, we might expect to see our friends and hang out with people we like. We might come to organize or motivate or teach. We might come to sing or to praise or do all sorts of things. But do we come expecting to meet the risen Christ? A story is told of an of a architect in medieval Europe. He's, building a, he's, he's designed this cathedral, and he goes out to watch the workmen as they're working on the building. 
And he watches the workmen and he, he sees the stonemasons and he sees, um, you know, he walks up to them and says to them, so what are you doing? And they say something like, I'm cutting stone. What the heck does it look like I'm doing? You know, uh, I'm laying brick. What do you think I'm doing? And, you know, like, leave me alone. And he looks at some other people and he asks them, what are you doing? I'm doing this or that. And then he spots this fellow with a big smile on, a, on his face and whistling as he's pushing a wheelbarrow, this common laborer. And he's puzzled by this fellow. And so he watches him for a long time. And finally he goes up to this, this fellow and he says, What are you doing? And the man says, Well, I'm building a cathedral, of course. It's the way he was looking at it. I'm building a cathedral. You know, on Sunday morning, my neighbors probably see me walking out to get in my car. And they have a good idea as to what I'm up to. You know, my shirt's on backwards and all that kind of silly stuff. And your neighbors see you walking out and they know what you're doing too. Or maybe you're sitting at uh, Bob Evans or yours truly or Denny's or wherever you go, maybe in the, on a Sunday morning to have some breakfast and, and you don't, you're not dressed like you're playing golf and, and they, they kind of know that you've got plans for this morning. Imagine, imagine the waitress, she, she comes up to you and says, So, you off to church? It's rhetorical, isn't it? Of course you're off to church. Of course that's where you're going. That's what we say, don't we? We're going to church. Time to go to church. Kids, get up. It's time to go to church. You have to go to church. You're the rector. You know, whatever they say at your house, I don't know, something like that. (laughs) We're going to church. That's where we go. But I wonder what would happen if instead of going to church... We were going to meet the risen Christ. What if that was our intention? Instead of just a happy accident that happens along the way. 